Welcome to a special episode of our Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand series brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity. For more information on the Rainmaker Multiplier process and a list of all podcasts in this series, visit claritytoprosperity.com. I'm excited to hear more about this topic. And ironically enough, the carriers brought it to our attention initially which is unheard of <laughs> that you have carriers actually talking about, hey, it would be okay for you to do this. And so I thought that was uh, that was really interesting. But yeah, so we're going to have a few different people, Dave and Calum and others. And uh, just thinking about the topic here of specifically in the last two years, What's more of the window that we're looking at, Calum or Dave? Because I don't think it's just the last two years. No. I don't I know where it came from, but it's like the, the last eight years, really. Last so eight. like a one to eight year window. Is that, <laughs> Calum, what do you think? Is that? Yeah, I would say probably the sweet spot is more in that three to eight year space situationally. Certainly over a year we can look at. Okay. And yeah, so two, okay, over a year. And we're looking at, was it about eight years ago is when that's when trade started to take a turn. And so therefore, when we're looking at where they're at today versus where they were eight years ago, we can make a strong case to, to take that surrender charge and put the client in a much better position. Yeah. That and also as, as annuities get closer to their surrender charge period, the company has to reserve more and more money. If they have to go shorter and shorter term on their bond portfolio. So typically you'll see renewal rates get worse and worse and worse, actually, as it gets closer to the end of that surrender period. So it's really both of those factors, but yeah, it's primarily driven by the fact that we go five, six, seven, eight, three years ago, two years ago, interest rates were just so much lower than what we're seeing today. Right. Yeah, I think that's an interesting challenge that's come up with annuities that we've all written like over the last five to seven years. How this came up, as Jason shared, I was in, when we were at our advisor connection trip in Mexico, I was talking with Brandon, who is our kind of rep at Allianz, and I was just like, hey, it's challenging that interest rates are starting to come up. And I started having clients that were like one to two years out from surrender. We were using essentially back then the 222 in the soon bucket as a drawdown. And these products had one to two, maybe 3% surrender charges on them. So they were like seven, eight-year-old products. The renewal rates, the S&P 500 was capping out at 1.75%. And I was just like, this kind of sucks. The reality of it is if I moved it to a new product and I took the two or 3% surrender, I could put it in the fixed rate and the client comes out ahead 2% the first year. And Brandon was like, yeah, for any of those products that are on the cusp, we're actually allowing in certain situations, internal transfers into a new product like the accumulation advantage. And we're paying you, the advisor, full commission to do that, to essentially replace the business. And he said, as long as it's a modest surrender charge, like one, two, 3%, and as long as in that case, the client was not buying the 222 that I sold him five, six, seven years ago for lifetime income, because the lifetime income value is higher. And so he was like, as long as the client signs off that they didn't really care about the lifetime income value, which they didn't, we were using it as a drawdown back then. They were like, we could replace it. 
The other thing that we could look at doing is if they do want lifetime income, we could potentially replace it with the ABC. And what we would look at is with that big bonus, I think it was 32%, it's going down to 25% next week. But with that bonus, their income account value might actually come out ahead also from where they were with the old 222. And that was an opportunity. I started going back and looking at the Allianz policies I had on the books that were within like one, two, 3% surrender charges and saying, hey, could we cash this client out early and get them into a higher yielding product? And the way I think about it, and the first time this came to me was when I was on a call, one of our quarterly investment meeting calls with Dimensional and Dr. Apollo Lupeshko was like, it's very similar to buying 10-year bonds, right? If we bought 10-year bonds a year or two ago, if the client wanted to cash in, let's say they were paying one and a half percent two years ago, if the client cashed in that 10-year bond today, they'd have a loss in value, like a surrender charge. But now they'd be buying new 10-year bonds that paid 4%. And so there'd be a break-even time period. And the FIA conversation is very similar. Then what started we started to look at was just more recently, American Equity, a good company we've done a lot of business with over the years, they just launched a product. It's a 10-year product that gives the client a 10% upfront bonus. If you're in California, it's a nine-year product. But again, it gives the client an upfront 10% bonus. And Caleb, what was the cap on it right now? 9%. So it's an S&P 500 cap, annual point to point at 9%. And so what I started to do in that situation was I started looking at my clients' accounts at other carriers that I wrote even two, three years ago. Some in case, I had one client that I even wrote a year ago and they could move from where they are to this American equity product, the 10% bonus makes them more than whole for the surrender charge they're paying. And now they go from a two, three, 4% cap on the S&P 500 to a 9% cap. And so that bonus product essentially is a, it's helping people buy out their surrender charge, make them even, and now give them more upside potential. And I've started to go back to clients and just lay this out side by side and say, here's your account value for your soon bucket. Here's what your annual S&P 500 cap is on that. Here's what your surrender value is. Here's what American equity is. If we took your surrender value, we applied a 10% bonus. Here's where you'd be day one. And here's what your new cap is of 9%. And then I make sure that they fully understand that the reality of this 9% cap is it's going to go down over the next nine or 10 years. It's not going to stay at nine. Even if that cap falls by 50 or 60%, they're better off because they're going to have more upside for at least the first however many years before the company might need to start lowering caps and rates. And I think like where I was challenged is as advisors, as fiduciaries to our clients, we have a challenge, right? It's I've been sharing with my clients when we placed their money in these products two, three years ago, it was the absolute best thing we could have done at the time. And it did exactly what it was supposed to do. What was it supposed to do? It was supposed to protect against market downside risk and interest rate risk in bonds. And in 2022, we saw both of those things come together for the worst year for a stock and bond portfolio that we've seen in history. And I've been sharing with my clients, like this isn't a negative, this is a positive. We moved your money into these annuities two, three, four years ago for your soon bucket. And because of that, we're 15 to 20% ahead right now, as opposed to if we would have left it in the market. 
But now the interest rate environment has changed. Interest rates, as we all know, are much higher. And so you've got this product that has lower rates, lower potential. And again, just going through that conversation, I found that as long as the client clearly knows like what they're giving up in exchange for what they're getting, maybe they only had six years left on a surrender. Now they're going to a new 10-year product. Maybe they had 10% penalty-free withdrawals of the initial premium. Now it's of the account value. I think clearly documenting that creates an opportunity with these products to improve upside potential. So you just brought up a point, Dave, 10% of the account value versus the initial premium. So I know you referenced the American equity. Is there any other, say you did an Allianz and it was the soon bucket and you did a 222 specifically for the 10% of the initial premium. Is there a product alternative? And maybe this is Calum or Kirsten opposed to the American equity because I think it's 10% of the accumulation value if you did need more of that steady income stream. Yeah, unfortunately, there, there's not. So that's why usually with the 222s, as Dave mentioned, we first look at can we internally replace it at Allianz? That's the first place we look. But Allianz's rule right now is, is what we call net three, meaning they won't accept anything that's greater than a net negative 3% surrender charge. If it's under 3%, there's a really good chance. I can't say we're going to do it for sure, but a really good chance we can internally replace that contract at Allianz. Outside of that, as we look at losing like a bonus product, whether that's American Equity or Aspita, who we launched last year, or Athene, who also has a bonus product, but the American Equity specifically, that is the main trade-off. We're going to trade off that 10% free withdrawal based on premium for now a 10% free withdrawal based on account value. And just, so there may have to be some adjustments to that Zoom bucket to compensate for that. Yeah, and typically what you're going to find is it just depends. And that's what I found when going from like Allianz to American equity with this replacement is it really is taking us kind of resketching out the client's bucket plan and making sure number one, the liquidity is there in the now bucket. And so like with one client that we just did this with before we went to replace it, we made sure we took the penalty free withdrawal from Allianz first because with American equity, once that new money gets over to American equity, there's no penalty-free withdrawal in the first year. So making sure your client's income need is set up, but then secondarily factoring in that for that soon bucket, if they can only take 10% of the account value in that time frame, you're going to have to have other supplemental funds that we've reallocated into the soon bucket to come up with the gap. Julie asked the question, can equity, what will they accept for a surrender charge? Yeah, it varies a little bit by state. And reason it does is because certain states have specific rules, but in most states, they are net two. So meaning you could even with the bonus still be net negative 2% surrender and still have American equity considered. It's not an automatic decline. Again, all of these are what they will consider not necessarily what they'll always accept. It's always, there's always a process there. One of the key benefits with American equity specifically, and I know Dave, you use this and this was a discussion we have, they actually have a form, a pre-application form called their potential business form that we recommend every single time you're replacing, you do this potential business form. They will review, you'll actually get an approval number if they approve it, and it actually speeds up the back end process of suitability because they've basically already done an initial review of all the major things they're going to look at. So as long as the numbers match on the suitability form, 
uh, it works. And you'll get an answer now before you even go meet with a client. So I would encourage you to do this every single time. You'll have an answer before you even sit down with a client if they'll accept it. Because no one likes to sit down with a client, sell them on a concept and an idea, do an application only for the insurance company to say no, right? That's egg on your face now as an advisor. That's where there is an advantage with that potential business form. There's a handful of other carriers. And again, where I know we're focused a little bit on American equity. We do have the ability to pre-screen with other insurance companies as well. You can just reach out to our insurance support team and we can help you with that case design of who should we take the, the replacement to and then who can we get a pre-screen with. So again, so we don't have to sit down with the client, do an application and then have the potential for it to be rejected. So Kalen, a couple quick questions. So Allianz is saying about 3% is worth mm-hmm. greater than 3% surrender. They won't let you do the internal rewrite, basically mm-hmm. full commission. But if you move it away from Allianz to another carrier, like in this instance, American Equity, they are, they're not, obviously they don't love it, right? For you to move the business away, but it isn't like threatening termination. Years ago, American equity, I don't think at least. Is that a correct statement? Allianz isn't going to be. Uh, there's always a risk. Again, it, it depends, right? There are situations where that, that's going to come up. It really depends on the volume. If you're taking every agent contract that you've ever signed with every insurance company basically has a clause that says, if you replace business with that company, it could result in termination. Every single insurance company has that clause. They've had it for years. It's existed for 30 probably years. Um, they very rarely used and very rarely enforced. Typically, where I've seen it in my career is when someone's moving huge blocks of business. So you're turning over 50% or 60% of your block of business, that's going to red flag at the carrier and they're going to, they may cut you off because they, they assume that you're maybe doing something that's not correct for that client or they just want to conserve the business ultimately. How's American equity these days in that regard? Because they used to be really hardcore. Like you replace one <laughs> one annuity, they're threatening termination. Yeah, I would say they're still probably, and no one wants to, no carrier publishes this. Just no one's going to tell you exactly where that line is because they, they don't want you just going right up to right before that line. But I would say probably American, if you're replacing from American equity, they're still probably one of the more stringent. It's hard to say because we haven't seen a lot of enforcement in that area recently. Yeah, I think too, like Caleb, you and I spoke about this. Are you still giving that carrier a lot of new business? Like I look at what I've done at Allianz and I mean, I've given them twice as much new business as we've replaced of old business so far this year. And so I think there's probably somewhat of a balance there too. I think if you were to go to Allianz and say, I'm not writing you anymore and I'm going to take a $10 million block of business and surrender it. Yeah, they're probably going to be not too happy about that. And Sean put in there, how do MVAs affect these? They do. And that's one of the things you absolutely need to look for is what's the surrender value post MVA adjustment? Because again, in my opinion, if the client's not coming out ahead, I'm just not doing it, quite frankly. Like, I think there's so much kind of disclosure around this. Uh, there was just an investment news, an advisor in Boston who got red-lighted in, in, by the SEC for annuity replacement and could potentially, like, they're going after $10 million of commissions this guy made over the last 10 years. Now, I don't know if he was doing things the right way or the wrong way. But like, I know we just had a meeting about this at Prosperity Capital Advisors yesterday. Me and Luke, our CEO, Ryan, our head of supervision, Caleb and Cassandra. And like, 
we've created a one-page replacement form for PCA IARs because disclosure and documentation is everything. Like John Del Greco and I were talking about this the other day. There's a right way to do this and there's a wrong way to do this. And clients need to understand, like, you're going to get paid another commission. They're going to pay a surrender charge. Like what the true dollars are that they actually net out ahead. Like they need to know that if you're going to a bonus product to offset surrender charge, there's a vesting schedule of that bonus if they didn't stick with American equity for the next 10 years or nine years. And like, I feel like it's our due diligence to just educate clients that like, yeah, you're going to a 9% cap, but that cap probably will come down over time. And so I think with anything, documentation is key. The carriers do a good job on the replacement forms of that side-by-side comparison, but that doesn't disclose the conflicts of interest we also have as advisors, which is why we went and created that one-page form that is a disclosure form for the client to sign on internal replacement business. But I just feel like you got to be careful and navigate all these things, like your relationship with the insurance company you're taking money from, the, the true disclosure to the client. Julie just asked, where do we find that? We're almost done with it. Caleb, it has Yeah, final edit. It'll probably be out in PDF form next week, and then we'll build it into Firelight also. So it'll be both. Since it's going to be a required PCA form, there'll also be a training on it. So we'll have a little bit of a compliance window, obviously, to get everybody up to speed on using it. It's really just an attestation form. And really, it's just to, like Dave said, it's just to protect you. And that's why I would say anybody can use it. it. Obviously, it's not something that just has to be used by PCIRs. But it's really the key thing with disclosure. It's not just disclosing the information. It's that the client's acknowledging it. That's, it's really both sides. And whenever I've done replacements in the past, I was always very clear in my notes, like I do in Redtail and stuff of saying, this is what we discussed. This was the client's reaction to it. Because if you don't have both sides, the regulators are going to basically be like, how did the, what did the client say to any of this? You don't have any kind of response from them. By having both sides of it where the client's basically acknowledging all of this was disclosed and discussed. It just, it's like, again, we're just trying to bulletproof you as much as, as we would love to say, hey, this is always in the client's best interest. And that's what we're going to do. Regulators, unfortunately, do view things differently. And they're always going to go with the mentality that you did this for another commission, right or wrong. That's just, they're going to be their viewpoint. So we're just trying to bulletproof everybody, make sure that they got all the documentation, disclosures, everything. So you're just really confident in that replacement and in that client file that you've done all the things you need to do. You've checked all those boxes. Built on the foundation of the award-winning bucket plan process, Clarity to Prosperity's proven processes, training, and coaching can help you increase your revenue. If you are a growth-minded, independent financial advisor, you qualify for a free copy of the bucket plan book. Go to claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer to get your free book today. That's claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer. Yeah. And I would just say, like, I did one step further and one that, that we did the other day where we were moving Allianz over to American Equity and Asset Shield. Like, I followed up with an email to the client of everything in writing of what their surrender charge was. I included an attachment to the American Equity Asset Shield brochure. And I said, make sure you look at page six. It has the bonus vesting schedule. As you can see, if you exited out of this contract after five years, you only get half of this bonus. Look at page seven, where it says the nine-year surrender charge on this new product. You're starting a new surrender. So again, I just feel like with anything, documentation is everything because 
the last thing I would ever want is the SEC coming in and being like, well, you just did this for another commission and show me the documentation of it. And so I just think having a process like that is critical. Hearing all this, the first reaction might be, wow, this is overwhelming. Is it even worth it? How many of these are even going to get all the way across to the finish line? But the reality of it is a lot of them will, because it starts with you as the fiduciary making a good judgment. Is this in the client's best interest? Once you make that judgment, then whether you're RIA only, your RIA has to approve it, or your broker dealer or whoever that regulatory body, once you get a green light, okay, it looks like it's going to work there. Then it's the receiving carrier that you're planning on it going to. And to, okay, so then you got to get a green light there, but then the carrier you're taking it away from, you got to make sure that you're not going to accidentally get terminated. So you got to get a green light there. And so all that needs to happen. But the reality of it is because of this dramatic increase in interest rates, in many cases, there there are a lot of instances, this is going to pass all through those green lights. And then you sit down with the client. And to that so, point, Jason, I would say this is a, you know, I just speak, John, I'm sorry. I just said this is no, a, no, huge a huge opportunity. So we definitely, and Dave and I just talked about, if you're not having this discussion, you run the risk somebody else is going to walk in the back door and have it with your client. You, you As a fiduciary, I regard you, you have to at least have the conversation and maybe you don't end up going to placement or maybe you do, but at least you're the one constantly keeping your client informed of their options, that you are looking out for their best interest each and every time. That was the one thing I was going to mention, Caleb, that if we're not having a discussion with them, someone else is going to be having a discussion with them. And then we look terrible on our end. And something that I've been doing, and maybe I have a tremendous block of business that uh, I've written every year, but I go back 15 years that I've been writing business. So just recently, contracts that I've been writing, that I've written five years or less. I've been doing it a little bit different where I've been going and looking at policy dates. And like, for example, a client came in yesterday that had about $480,000 in an IRA with me through an older fixed annuity. Wasn't planning on using any of this money till 73. He thought it was going to be 70 and a half, then it was 72, and now it's 73. And what I've been doing is taking the 10% withdrawals where you eliminate all a lot of the things that we just talked about. So his contract date is April 16th. So I did a 10% withdrawal today. And then I had him sign the form on 417. We're going to do another 10%. And so on eighty ninety thousand dollars of that of that annuity block, we pick up nine thousand dollars right up front, and then we're going from three and a half, three point seven five caps, twenty two and twenty percent participation rates. The 30% participation rates and 9% on the annual point to point. 
And so if you have, a, if you're sitting on the phone and you got blocks of business in force, and I'm not even talking about the blocks that I'm going to look at that are out of surrender charge. I'm just, I'm talking about ones that have been recently submitted or in the last three, four, five years, as I said, caps, this 9% cap is a much, I don't remember 9% caps. I don't know, Caleb, do we go back 10, 12, 15 years? Yeah. Yeah. So I know, I know my clients, the five, the ones that are four and five years old, they're between three and if I'm lucky, 4%. So you're taking them on 10%. There's no surrender charge. There's no surrender charge at all. And you're being, and you're able to pick up a double deposit if you're looking at, if you can find them in dates, just the one I, th- that I explained. And let me tell you what happened yesterday. This client said to me, he had other IRA money, and he said to me, you know what? And it wasn't with me, and it was at another place. He said, I'd be crazy. I'd be crazy not to make some of that. In other words, added a more of a contribution to it. I think that's another place that you can look at and eliminate a lot of the uh, obstacles. Is there a surrender charge? Is there an MVA? Will it be viewed differently if you're replacing the whole thing? This eliminates a lot of that. And so I've been looking at a lot of this last couple of weeks, and hopefully it can help some of the people that are on the line or on the call now. Yeah, Charlie asked the question. Thanks, John. Where do you start? Any advice on first step to review your existing book of annuity business? And Charlie, I think you're on the right track. And if I'm starting, I'm, I know at our firm, it's that window of three to eight years. It's the starting point. Because if you wrote, you're going to do your annual reviews. You should be doing annual reviews with everybody. If it's beyond eight years, you're already on the radar that they're going to be coming out of surrender and you'll catch it in the annual review. If it was just written in the last year or two, again, you're going to be doing the annual reviews. There are going to be a lot smaller percentage of those that will be eligible. But that three to eight year window is probably the window where you're going to find the bulk of the opportunities to upgrade the client situation because of such a big spike in interest rates in recent. Yeah, and I, I would just say as you're doing your annual reviews, I think the importance is like, you know, get ahead of the anniversary date by 30 days. Start looking at what's upcoming for anniversary 30 days from now, because that gives you the most flexibility to even think about a strategy like John mentioned, where you take one penalty-free withdrawal before the anniversary and one right after. Because the reality of it is any of our clients that are renewing probably anytime for the next couple months, they're going to get a zero return anyway because of the downturn in the market. So there's no downside to take a penalty-free withdrawal out towards the end of the anniversary because they're going to get zero anyway. So ladder those. And what I would be doing is I would be putting together a calendar of my anniversary dates of my policies and using that as a guide to just start analyzing them. And I think the moral of the story is like, I've heard over the last 16 years of using indexed annuities that these things are like a set it and forget it product. I absolutely disagree. They have to be actively managed in a client's financial plan. It's just like life insurance. You can't buy a life insurance policy and set it in a drawer and never look at it again. These things need to be managed because the environment around us is constantly changing. And right now it's a positive message. They did what they were supposed to do last year. They protected us against interest rate risk and bonds and equity risk. 
and now interest rates are higher. And so we should take a look at what our options are. Thank you so much for everybody for being on. I know these 30 minutes go fast. And uh, next week's topic is drum rolls. It's first quarter business check-in, what's working and what's not. So we're going to do an open forum check-in on the first quarter. What, what's been working, what hasn't been working. So please bring your comments, your questions into next Thursday. Excellent. Thank you. Interested in learning more about the topics discussed today? We want to know more about your challenges and priorities and how we can help build your custom roadmap to success. That's right, a custom roadmap built just for you. Schedule a free 20-minute consultation with one of our business development partners. Visit c2pe.info forward slash podcast to schedule a time that's good for you. That's c2pe.info forward slash podcast.